If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Sustainability is typically seen as either boho, crunchy, vegan, lesser quality, or more more so these days, seen as unattainable. If there is more inclusivity in association with sustainability, I think it'll get more and proper attention. If you're curious how PR can elevate your work, how to get started finding a good publicist, and what it means to do PR for yourself if you had to do that, this is an episode for you. What do we need to have in place before pitching our work to secure press features to increase our likelihood of getting featured? And from a public relations perspective, what do we need to help sustainability go from being a niche topic to being widely discussed all across the board? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. Now, I want to take a quick moment to say hello if you're here for the first time. I'm so honored to have you tune in. And if you'd like for me to send you a short email every Sunday with some highlights from the past week on the podcast, you can head to greendreamer.com to sign up. I look forward to connecting with you there. And now to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the founder of Orchard and Broom the first ever public relations agency to selectively represent ethical and sustainable brands. She's got a background in journalism, lifestyle PR, and event production, and is on a mission to support brands doing good for the people and planet that they affect. I'm really excited to share this conversation because not only is she a purpose-driven entrepreneur herself wanting to support sustainability, she's also an expert in how we can reach a larger audience through the media and also how we can elevate the eco-movement as a whole. So stay tuned for all of this juicy information. For now, starting off with what got her into sustainable living, Green Dreamer, here's Stephanie Sika. So on a personal level, which is kind of both professional and personal are intertwined, is that I fell into it. I was always interested in living consciously and mindfully 
And then when I started working at a PR firm here in New York, I was put on the Natural Products Association account. So I sort of fell into this sustainability space. And then it was something that I became pretty well versed in and then just kind of ran with. And as I said, I have always lived consciously and mindfully. Um, I can't say that I live fully sustainably, but it's something that I do care about, both the socio and environmental effects of the way that we conduct our lives. So when you are working with these natural product-oriented brands, what's something you learned about sustainability that stuck with you, whether good or bad? So there was a little bit of both. Um, of course, I was learning initially a lot about the certifications because the company that I was representing was a lobbying agency. And it was the real nitty-gritty side of sustainability, which was tough because a lot of the brands that I had the most interest in were these young bubbling startups, and they were doing really innovative things, which is what I was most interested in. Um, I love the innovation that sustainability fosters and the creativity. So I think that's what draws me to the space, um, more so than say the, the certifications, as I said, and the um, logistics behind it all. And then what did your professional journey look like that led you to starting Orchard and Broom? Yeah. So as I said, I was working for a luxury lifestyle firm initially here in New York. And amongst other accounts, very exorbitant accounts, I was working with the Natural Products Association. And when I left, through word of mouth recommendation, I just kind of fell into the sustainability space. And it was a bunch of lifestyle brands across the board, but all in some sense sustainable. And having that background knowledge of the certifications and the terminology associated with sustainability, I was like, I could do this. Like, I care about this and nobody's doing it. So it was both a personal passion and also the drive to kind of carve a niche because there are so many PR firms in New York, in the US and in the world. And nobody at the time was focusing on these sustainable or ethical brands um, back in 2015 when it was still just starting to become a thing. So that's when I decided to make the commitment to representing these brands. And then, of course, there's a lot of other criteria that go along with the brands that we represent. But that was what started it. And then since then, I've just been rolling with it and becoming even more niche about the brands that we represent and what my company stands for. For sure. What, is it, what does it mean for the sustainability world to have well, you have the first PR agency focusing on socially and environmentally driven brands, but assuming that there will be more to follow since the sustainability field is growing, what do you think that means? Oh, I think that's a loaded question. It means a lot. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, for me, uh, professionally speaking, it means competition. I'm already seeing, uh, obviously, it's inevitable, other people trying to focus on ethical or sustainable brands. But I think Generally speaking, it's it's a wonderful thing to see. I think both media, brands, professionals on my end of end of the deal are all becoming more interested in it and understanding the significance of running a business more sustainably. So mm -hmm. I think it's just growing. It has been growing at such an exponential rate that in all senses of the means, is it causing more competition and again, forcing people to be more creative and innovative and really pushing technology. And I think it's, it's incredible. Yeah. What has been one of your biggest challenges in being a pioneer in this space? Mm -hmm. 
I think for anybody in my position and for most people in business, business development is a really tough, um, it's a really big challenge. And then beyond that, just time management. And that goes for both generally speaking, again, as an entrepreneur and somebody in, in a public relations field, but also for these brands that like, there's constantly new research, there's always new stories coming out. Um, it takes a lot more time and effort to help build and shape the conversations around sustainability. So it's PR in general is a 24 seven business. And I feel like I'm so personally devoted to my work that it just it is all consuming and not to a to a fault or to a negative degree even. I mean, work-life balance is something that we used to talk about a lot and in a negative way, but I love how it my work is my life and vice versa, but to that point, finding time to turn off, so to speak, is really is really challenging. Mhm. What have you found to be the most effective way to try to turn off that part? Mm. So it's something that I enacted as of 2018. And it's really not to look at technology as soon as I wake up. Um, instead, That's I will. so hard. It's, in, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> and I try also to that point to not be upset with myself if I quote unquote fail and look at something right away. But um I try and not look at my phone until about 8am. And that's after walking my dog and making coffee. And then I do try and turn off and do something for myself, whether it's reading, watching a TV show or something that doesn't involve technology or screens after 9pm. Mm, I need to work on that for sure. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's tough. It's definitely tough. Yeah. Well, I feel like these days there are a lot of really passionate people wanting to start and grow their own platforms and brands from the ground up. From a PR perspective, what's something you wish more eco-creatives and entrepreneurs knew that would help them grow their reach and credibility? So I think um, if I could interpret that question as being more prepared for kind of doing business, it would be to focus and get your brand ready in terms of assets. So something that I look for when representing a company is, of course, like we, we do a branding phase with every company we work with, because branding is really important to set up for PR. And the only thing that I stress and I look for is good imagery and good assets, because so many brands that are cropping up, whether it's an individual um, starting a blog or it's a brand offering a good, they're digitally native. So you can have an incredible product, but if you don't have images that sell that product, it's going to be incredibly hard. So I really stress having beautiful imagery um, to really enhance the product that you're offering. Yeah, I was going to ask you as one of my questions, actually, like, at what stage would a person or brand be considered ready for PR work? So it's having, obviously, their product, service, and platform ready and also beautiful professional imagery. What else needs to be like polished before they turn to PR? So if you're just turning to PR, then you have to get some other branding elements in place beforehand. But as I said, because we do branding with every company before kind of starting that PR, it's also... Um, having a sense of your mission statement and your purpose and really your differentiator. So 
part of the criteria for the brands in which we represent, while they're all in some sense ethical or sustainable or craft and celebrating craft, and that is for those brands that can't inherently be ethical, um, we look for the whatever aspect of their company makes them different from the rest. And that's because sustainability is no longer enough of a story to tell to media. Back in 2015, when I started, you could be a sustainable brand because there were so far few in between. That was enough to get you a feature. But these days, um, you have to be different in a another sense of the means. So that's something that we pinpoint in doing kind of a brand discovery session and really crafting a compelling narrative that will translate to different verticals in the media. So it's not only getting your message down to to speak to media or for PR purposes, but it's also making sure that your brand's cohesive online, on social media, and then for your publicist. And that also includes all the assets that I spoke of. Um, but otherwise, you really just need a functioning website. Um, you need to be on social media, especially if you're a lifestyle brand. You need to be on Instagram and just kind of have a budget. Like really, PR, unfortunately, it's about having a budget in place. And it's not for a short stint of time. Usually PR is kind of a build and ideally a longer term relationship. So um, we look for brands that value that long term relationship, um, because you can do the best work with those kinds of companies. Yeah. So being eco-friendly is no longer enough to get people's attention because I feel like it's everywhere these days. Mm -hmm. Um, what's an example of a brand with a story that you think really stands out, either a brand that you've personally worked with or a brand that you have just stumbled across. So brand and sustainability that has a story that just jumps out at you. Mm, Okay. Um, that's interesting. Actually, I think one of the brands that I've spoken to recently, um, it's, it's both a really strong sustainability story, but then it's a really interesting kind of business perspective. And the company is a luxury handbag company and they use salmon skin, which is a byproduct of the fishing industry to make their leather, their goods, their quote unquote leather goods. But, um, the founder herself has a background having done an apprenticeship with uh, someone at Hermes and also living in San Francisco, which is a really tech focused area. And she's doing such a creative, innovative um, brand. I think that's really interesting. And again, when we work with a brand, we try and pinpoint, as I said, the different verticals that we can go with. So it's not just a sustainability story. It's not just a female founder story or a business story, but there's also a lifestyle piece. There's a fashion angle. So we try and pick out all the different aspects of the story so that we can really have the best opportunity for getting the most amount of press for a company. So um, brands, everyone that I talk to is really inspiring in that they're, they're doing things, as I said, outside of just the sustainability niche. And I could go on and on about a bunch, but that's one that's really interesting to me. And, um, the product is just incredible and extremely high quality and beautiful. Yeah. Is this H H? I feel like I've heard of this before. H H. Yeah. Yeah. 
HH. Okay, I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah, they have beautiful <laughs> bags. Like the product itself is beautiful.、Um, the story that stu- that stood out to me too because I remember it. So that's something because、yeah. I also get pitched a lot of emails from brands. Absolutely. Yeah. No, well, for someone that doesn't yet have the budget to work with、um, a PR agent or a P- PR person, what does doing PR for themselves look like? It looks like a lot of time they don't have. <laughs> to be um, that is why PR is a job, and it's it's hugely time consuming, and it's a lot of effort. But if someone is to do it on their own, they have to just diligently carve out time to, again, craft their story,、um, stay on top of the news cycle. And then continuously develop new angles. If one if one story doesn't work, you have to jump to the next one and keep going and find new contacts and reach out to people on the daily and then follow up and this and that. So honestly, if someone is in the market for doing PR for themselves, it's it's time consuming and they need to bear that in mind that they have to be pretty strict about setting time aside every day to doing some sort of PR effort.、Um, But it's also extremely taxing mentally, just because not only do you have to be super creative and nimble, but because it's a lot of switching gears and rejection and trial and error, it's it's tough. It's exhausting.、Mm-hmm. It really is a long time, long term effort,、mm-hmm. and all the、yeah. relationships you're building, your network. Absolutely, and to that point, I feel pretty strongly about. Um, publicists having connections and the association with a good publicist and more connections. So, I think,、um, of course, and、I'm, I would be ignorant to say that it's not important for you to hire a publicist with great connections. I think that's obviously what gets some good quality press. But arguably, media is more transient than PR, and it's one of the most transient fields. People are. Shifting positions daily. There are full publications being consolidated, and to that point, you need to hire a publicist that is creative and that is、um, really good with their interpersonal skills and writing skills, and can research and find the right reporter that whichever story they've created will translate with. Because it's more about, I think these days, it's more about really putting in time and effort. To craft a story and get it told by the right person versus hinging on all your connections that you've made in the past.、Mm-hmm. So let's say that a person, you know, they have the budget now. They they feel ready to hire a PR person. What should they look for? Like you mentioned, the P- they need to make sure the PR person is creative.、Um, obviously, has great interpersonal relationships. How can we tell these things from like looking at a person's website or? Their portfolio.、Oh, yeah, I don't think you can.、Um, truthfully, I don't think that you can judge a person or a company or anybody on a portfolio or a website. That is why I will not enter a contract without a an initial conversation.、Mm-hmm. And it also is because you have to, unfortunately, judge somebody's character、um, as quickly as you can in that conversation. And I am very. 
adamant about working with people that I have a personality match with. Because you spend so much time in conversation with and working with your publicist, it's really important that you can see eye to eye, that you respect one another and their ideas, and you understand one another. There's a, I mean, because this is a new space, if you're looking to work with somebody who understands sustainability, you not necessarily interrogate them, but you have to make sure that they're either well-versed in in the things that are important to your brand, whether that's more supply chain focused or whatever the messages you're trying to translate, but also that they have the acute ability to research and understand. So they're not talking like out of thin air about your company and therefore like positioning it in a poor way in front of media. Because now that the media has become pretty attuned with sustainability, they know a lot. And they're jaded by, by all this knowledge and all this new news that you can't really say that a brand is sustainable without having enough information to back that up. So a little bit of a tangent here, but essentially, you need to have a conversation, uh, at least a conversation, if not a meeting or some sort of face to face Skype or whatever it is these days. But you need to feel comfortable um, and be able to have an open dialogue with your publicist because it is not a hands-free situation. It is a two-way street. You can't expect to hire PR and then just be laissez-faire. Like you have to put in time and effort still. It's There are interviews, there are Q&As, there is brainstorming to be done. And um, it's a lot of connection constantly. I'm in touch with my clients every day every week, if not every day. Mm -hmm. So it's a very hands-on relationship. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And well, you mentioned that the media is very well-versed in sustainability these days. Do you think this means that greenwashing is happening (laughs) less? No. (laughs) No? (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't think it's happening less. Um, It's still definitely happening. And That's because just the media is such a big beast. But to that point, what is really promising is the fact that sustainability is becoming more mainstream. And my only hope is that it's not a trend, that it is something here to stay. And I believe it is. And that's because you're seeing sustainability editors and sustainability executives being hired at different places like Vogue Australia just appointed one. And, um, it's becoming full topics and categories at different outlets. So I think it hopefully is here to stay. The only thing is kind of how it's being discussed. And unfortunately I I think there is still greenwashing. And then as far as, properly positioning sustainability, we still have barriers to break down in terms of the stigma around it. And sustainability is typically seen as either boho, crunchy, vegan, lesser quality, or more more so these days, seen as unattainable and inaccessible. So I think we publicists and brands and eco entrepreneurs need to really work hard to stress the inclusivity of sustainability and the idea that sustainability can be um, for everybody in some sense. It's not just about fashion. It's not just about little swaps in your everyday life. It's not just about food. Um, If they're 
is more inclusivity in association with sustainability, I think it'll get more and proper attention. So really making it an accessible topic for everyone, not just for people who are tree huggers and people mm-hmm. who geek out on sustainability all day. Totally. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the value in an eco brand being featured in mainstream media, which likely has a broader audience base, but might be less targeted versus in an eco focused health conscious publication with a much smaller, but more targeted eco conscious audience? I think both are important and both have their place. So again, the way that we approach PR for these brands is to fire on all cylinders. So we make sure that we hit the niche publications, um, focus on topics or locations, um, but also mainstream because obviously that has more eyes. And I think they both serve a purpose. It depends on which story you tell again, and it depends on the beat of the reporter. It depends on the general theme of the outlet or the tone of the outlet. But that is what I think is most important for these brands is that they're seen as multifaceted and they can translate to all different spaces of media. And again, all different verticals. It's not just to be pigeonholed with and for those sustainability outlets. There's got to be a much bigger message. Yeah. So PR is really about knowing the exact publication that you're trying to get into, knowing what would be of interest to them and then targeting your story to them. So it's very Mm -hmm. customized. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I feel like a lot of people in sustainability are very grassroots because they're starting things for themselves and might not necessarily understand what PR can do for them. What do you think PR makes possible for someone who's ready for it? So PR um, makes a lot of things possible for brands. And it just requires a little bit of patience to see the effects. But PR not only hones in on the branding for a company, but it also, I mean, the intent is to properly position a brand in the market and get the right message in front of the proper audience to in turn convert to sales. So it is definitely, as I said, a longer term process, but PR definitely for brands that have compelling narratives to tell definitely helps not only with brand exposure and equity, but sales and growth. Yeah. And on that note, how do you think PR and the media can help us accelerate towards a more sustainable world in the big picture? Mm. So of course, PR and media is almost one and the same in this context. But I believe, again, it's telling the right story. As I said before, sustainability has kind of a face that it needs to save in itself. And it can't be viewed as crunchy and it can't be viewed as unattainable. We have to make sure that the stories being told about sustainability um, is all inclusive and it is a lifestyle uh, that should be adopted by every business and every person. Just again, not, not necessarily so righteous about it, but just that it is about living more mindfully and consciously for the betterment of the future. Yeah. So really telling the right stories and having these stories resonate more deeply with people from all walks of life. That's what can Mm -hmm. help this become, I guess, more widespread. Yeah. 
Well, I'm really appreciative of your dedication to using your PR skills, expertise, and talent to helping elevate this conversation around sustainability. And I'm personally very inspired by the work you're doing at Orchard and Broom and can't wait to see more. I'm curious what you're most proud of having accomplished from the past years. Thank you for all of that. I appreciate it. Um, what I am most proud of, honestly, I this is something that I actively try and take a minute to recognize because I don't give myself enough credit. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs fail to give themselves enough credit and enough grace in what they're doing. But I am just really humbled and really proud of having built this out of nothing. Honestly, when I left the last company I worked for, I thought I would consult and it would just be me. And I didn't really have a specific specific type of brand to work with. But these three years have been eye opening and educating. And I just, I'm really happy to be in the position I am. And I feel so fortunate to not only have seen growth in companies that I care so deeply about, but to have companies really inspired by what I'm doing, and looking to work with me for that reason. So Truthfully, like, I just, I am so inspired every day by not only the brands I work with, but the feedback that I get. So I have to um, be proud of what I'm doing. And it's not easy. It's absolutely not easy to work with with these brands, but I love it and it keeps me going. Yeah. I know it's been a learning journey for you from the past three years, but what do you think you did to make this possible? (laughs) Um, honestly, just kept my head down and worked really hard. Uh, I think it's a lot of a personal approach. I didn't follow rules. I don't follow the traditional PR kind of rules and ramifications. I do things my own way. And I honestly have always done that (laughs) with everything in my life. I trust my gut and I have a good deal of common sense. So I think um, just kind of doing what makes sense in terms of how I approach PR, how I talk with brands, um, how I build brands, and my my idea of what will help them properly position in the market and then grow. And I don't compare myself to others because I know I do things differently. And I've been told not not from even seeing it myself, just from other people. And I don't want to compare because I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't doing it my way. <laughs> mm-hmm. You really just trust it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your vision for Orchard and Broom going forward? Uh, yeah, I have a lot. Of <laughs> but the shorter term vision is um, cross border expansion. So a lot of the brands that are cropping up today and a lot of the brands that we tend to represent are digitally native. So that means they live online and that means that I can essentially represent a brand anywhere. Um, so long as they have a product that can ship worldwide. So truthfully, I am looking to represent a host of brands, um, again, sticking within the ethical, sustainable or craft luxury realm that are not just in the U S that are also in Canada. So I just, um, put a team in place in Canada and I am working on the UK, London, UK and Europe. So 
um, that's kind of my next steps or my immediate next steps. And then, as I said, there's a longer term vision for Orchard and Broom, but I don't want to jump the gun. (laughs) Awesome. That's super (laughs) exciting. Where can we go to check your workout and follow you online? Sure. So um, OrchardNBroom with an E.com is our site. And then the same thing on social media, OrchardNBroom with an E on Instagram and me personally, Stephanie Sika on Instagram. Before we go into our final five tips for you, I wanted to say, if you know of some friends who are looking into working with a publicist for their conscious brands or are looking to get more press features for their work, please share the episode with them. In today's world, beyond having a passion for an important cause and beyond having amazing products and services to start with, we also need to be able to effectively tell our brand stories to our audiences, to potential consumers, and to the media if we want to love up in that way. I learned so much from Stephanie and I'll be sharing my two takeaways at the very end with you. But for now, here are Stephanie's final five tips for you that you can walk away with. Let's power through. What's one social media account or publication you follow that really uplifts you? The good trade, bar none. Same. (laughs) Uh, What do you tell yourself to stay inspired and motivated? Good things come to those who work really hard. I hope so. (laughs) Um, What's one action we can try out this week for our planet's health? Okay, I have two things. One is shedding off the water when you're brushing your teeth. This is something I literally remind myself of every single day. And the other thing is really trying to use um, a travel mug for your coffee. This is something I'm personally really invested in the coffee cups, the travel to go coffee cups that you get from a shop are actually not recyclable because of the polyethylene lining, the plastic lining insides that makes the, in order for the liquid to not disintegrate the cup, there needs to be that lining. So use a reusable cup, um, a reusable mug. Like it's, it's awful where how many of those cups we use every day. Mm. Also easy, though. So I love that. Um, (laughs) What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? Innovation, technology. I think it's so inspiring. And I think um, it's going to help a lot with saving the planet. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Um, It is not easy to start a business in general. Actually, it's incredibly difficult to operate a socio-environmentally conscious business So just remember to give yourself some credit along the way and to give yourself some grace and a little bit of downtime every now and again. Rest up when you need to, be gentle with yourself, and celebrate all the things you've already accomplished. Green Dreamer here, my two key takeaways. Number one, being eco-focused or sustainable alone is no longer enough to be of interest to media outlets. What are some other ways your brand story or work can stand out? To be memorable, we have to really get clear on what it is we offer that's different and unique even within this sustainability space. So make sure to look around you at what other people are doing and clarify your points of differentiators, whether or not you end up pitching yourself, working with a publicist, or just telling your story directly to your audience. Highlighting these differences can really help your work to stay memorable in people's minds. 
Number two, if you're just starting out and your work relies heavily on digital communication, like selling your products and creative services through your website, try to get professionally taken photos, consult a brand strategist if you're unfamiliar with what branding entails, and keep your brand message across different channels consistent. These fundamentals are kind of key whether you want to begin working with a publicist uh, to get media features, whether you want to work with bloggers and creatives to get the word out there about what you do, whether you want to invest marketing dollars uh, into advertising or collaborate with wholesalers, because essentially it's like your visual resume. People have seconds to decide whether or not they're interested in your work or seconds to decide how they feel about your work. So having all of these things lined up first and foremost can help you to make a memorable and professional first impression like you're taking this very seriously and that's kind of a prerequisite to a lot of other things to come later on but there that's a wrap for this episode you can find the references we discussed at greendreamer.com 29 get in touch with me on instagram at kamea shane and email me at hello at greendreamer.com to share any feedback on what i can do to improve the show for you or what topics you'd like for us to explore more deeply in future episodes and finally just remember now more than ever our planet needs your light to thrive so if you haven't yet Hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.